In this episode of Dad's Island Horror, we have the Sakhud speaking to Rob Svig Wilgulatner, director of OUJIC at Bar Elam. He studied at Yeshiva Shalvin for two years, after which he served in the Nachal Brigade of the IDF, and then studied for a BA in psychology from the Hebrew Theological College in Skokie, Illinois. He has smicha from Yeshiva Netiv Aryeh and Rav Zalman Nechemia Goldberg, as well as from the Chief Rabbin of Israel. He is also a certified psychotherapist from the Family Institute of Jerusalem and has taught Rav Cook's philosophy in Chassidut at Matan. Svi has served as the interim rabbi for Bet Knesset Ohel Ari in Brunona. Thank you so much, Rabbi Wolgolatna, for joining us today. It's a real zechut to have you with us. It is such a zechut for me as well. And I uh, I really appreciate the uh, the challenge of uh, trying to limit the fine three pieces of Torah. It's such, a, uh, <laughs> such an exciting thing that I never actually thought about until you offered it. So it's great to be here. Amazing. So it's Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you would take with you to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really excited to find out and learn with you. So if we jump right into your first piece. Absolutely. So I'll start with something that really I take with me all the time. I've, I've spoken about it on many occasions. And that is a piece from Rav Kook in Musar Avicha. It's actually a, it's based off a pasuk in Mishlei, Peregimel Pasuk Vav, Bechol Drachecha De'ehu, Behu Yesher Ochotecha. In all your ways know him, and he will smooth your paths. And the idea, in all your ways, know him, know Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's an idea that I know for myself, originally, you know, growing up, for me it meant that you, you bring Hashem into whatever you're doing, to think about Hashem. I think that's the, most, the simplest way to understand the Pasuk, that have in mind, oh, Hashem's here, that He should be near us, He should be around us, I just constantly thinking about Him. But if Kuk takes it to a different place, something that has profoundly influenced my life and my thinking and really the way I act. And he says, this is found in Musar Vicha Pergbet, Piskabet. Rav Kook there explains that he, he actually is by gradations. He starts off by saying that this idea of knowing Hashem, knowing Him in all our path, is that that whatever we do, wherever we act, it doesn't matter what, we have to seek out Hashem in those ways. And now he starts off with the three, I want to say, classic uh, um, ideals in serving Hashem. Number one is when you're dealing with tefillah. And even here, there is an element of a chidush or an element of a of a novelty, something that I think that most people don't necessarily think about. And that is, first, when you're dealing with tefillah, when now it's time to pray, when it's davening, what are you thinking about? What are you dealing with? I know that for myself, a big challenge of davening is that I'm always thinking about other things. And those other things might be, might be good things. In fact, I sometimes have come up with great ideas for drashot or for shirim right in the middle of Shemona Esrei. There's a joke that said that after a person finishes davening Shemona Esrei, Right, they have to make a birkat gomel because they've just traveled around the world, you know, <laughs> thinking about everything that's out there. But really, when you're in tefillah, what should you be doing? Focusing 100% on the words that you're saying, the kavanot, the ideas, maybe the struggles that you're going through, that you're that you're thinking about, the the, the refuah that's needed, the geula, whatever it is that you're focusing on, that should be the focus of your tefillah, not thinking about anything else that's going on. Number one. Number two, he goes on and says. When you're learning Torah, 
When you're learning Torah, you shouldn't be thinking about anything else except for the piece that you're learning right now. That your entire focus should be there. And, and anybody who's really focused on a piece of learning knows that the more concentration that you have, the more you're able to delve into that piece, the more you're going to get out of it. So again, that's also more understandable. Next, he goes on and says, So you have tefillah, avodah, you have Torah, and now gemilul chasadim. Also with Kamilul Chasadim, what should the focus be? The focus should be, the chesed that I'm doing right now should be the biggest, greatest chesed that, I'm, that I can do. Meaning I'm not thinking about anything else except for what is the best way to do this chesed at hand. So I have a friend who's sick and I want to go and I'm going to prepare my friend a, a meal. So I'm going to think, when does that my friend want? When is it going to be the best time to deliver it? What is the food that, that they're going to most appreciate? Um... How can I make sure that it's going to be hot? My entire focus is just about this. It's just about making this chesed the, the, the entire focus. Now, I might think that maybe I should be thinking at the same time that I'm doing this chesed, or I'm learning this Torah, or that I'm that I'm, I'm doing this tefillah, that I should also have in mind Hashem. I should also be thinking about Hashem. But no, my focus is, what am I doing this chesed right now? It could be very, very technical details, but it's 100% focused on that. I'm not thinking about Hashem. I'm thinking about the task at hand, whether it's the sugya, the Torah that I'm learning right now, it's the tefillah, specifically I'm davening maybe for a full shlema for somebody, that should be 100% the focus, or maybe it's about the chesed that I'm doing. Until now, I don't think there's anything radical. I think it's beautiful, but it's not radical. And here's where I think that it becomes radical. And it's, it's very hard for Cook not to read it inside. So I'm just going to read a sentence. Rav Cook says, Alken, and so too, every single thing that you do, everything that you do, doesn't matter what, you have to seek out Hashem. How? Use all of your mind and all of your power that you should be doing what you are doing in the most complete way possible in all the ways that are complete. And that is how you will, know, you will learn and you will meet God in all your paths. And I'll take it the most extreme example. When you're washing your dishes right now, you're not thinking about a Baruch Hu and anything spiritual, but it's important that when we eat, that we should eat on clean dishes. And I'm going to focus right now. And I want to clean the dishes the best possible way. I know that I've definitely done a lazy job of cleaning my dishes and there'll be things that are left over. I have to be completely focused on doing that. No matter what I'm doing, if my job is, if I'm a lawyer and I'm in the office and I'm representing a client, then my whole focus has to be, how can I re represent my client the best? I want to be the most absolute best and complete in terms of whatever I'm doing now. And that is how I'm going to reach God. Not because I'm thinking about God. Now, how does this work? Because I guess the theology behind it is that ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only thing that is shalem, that is complete. And therefore, what we are doing when we are trying to reach shlemut is we are trying to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that shlemut into the world. And that's what Hashem wants from us. And therefore, when we live our lives, we have to live our lives completely and be totally focused on what we're doing. I think that there's an idea now that's also going around that's very popular of mindfulness. And that this, this also has to do with mindfulness, because I know for myself personally, I'm, I'm always distracted by doing a hundred different things at once. But the idea is if we really want to meet Hashem, 
to be focused entirely on what we're doing. That means when we're davening, we're davening. When we're learning, we're learning. When we're at the office, we're at the office. When we're in class, we're in class, whatever it is. But we're 100% focused on the task at hand. And that's the way we're going to meet a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And I know that for me, this is very much had a, had a major impact on the way that I've, uh, on the way that I've, I've had a, almost a religious life because everything that I do now has meaning. Everything that I do connects to Kaddish Baruch Hu, even if I'm not actively thinking about Hashem. Every act, even washing dishes, has religious significance now. Absolutely. That Pasuk is actually my favorite Pasuk. Um, Rob Aaron Lippenstein, Zohran Rakai, he talks about it in his book, By His Light, and that chapter, it's like changed my life big time. Um, exactly, exactly, everything you said, spot on. I mean, we should serve God in all walks of life, not just when we're davening, not just when we're in the Bet Midrash, everywhere in society at, at large, you know, voting in an election and, you know, being a lawyer, as you said, you know, walking to the supermarket, walking to the park, sitting on the train, all these different things. Hashem is part of that experience. It's not just, it's in the mundane as well as the spiritual. Um, And again, that brings me to the point about um, the learning man of faith. This is where I always link it because um, Rav Soloveitchik, he presents two people. He presents the man who is from, to fill the earth and subdue it and bury it, and the man who is to keep and to guard. And one is to fill Hashem's earth, partner with Hashem, do great things, make him part of everything you do, whether that's your job, what you do in society, but also keep mitzvah, keep halacha, sit in the bed and judge. And combining the two together is finding Hashem in all our ways. Absolutely. And also I'd say that in, in uh, that Cook points out in uh, the, in his kabatzim, his, uh, his spiritual journals in the, the second volume, that he refers to Torah Chaim and he says it's not just a religion. That's the mistake, is that when we just try to classify this as just a religion, but it's not. It, it impacts every single element of every single moment, of every single day of our lives. And to appreciate that, it just infuses our life with so much more meaning. And it's just so uplifting. For sure, amazing. So we're ready for your second piece. So the truth is, is that... <laughs> It's it's not so different. It's not so different. You can start seeing what what I uh, what gets me excited and what I'm passionate about. Um, this is an idea that is uh, it's found all over the place. Um, it can be found a lot in, in different uh, Hasidic works for sure, but just really all over the place. But there's one specific idea. The way it's developed, I find uh, very powerful and very clear. Uh, it's almost the example is almost more important than the uh, the idea. Well, that's not really true, but in, in terms of specifically this dvar Torah, I could have given many dvar Torahs that are that relate to this point. I'll, I'll explain what I mean. It's actually a piece by uh, by the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, in his Likutei Sichot, and he says that we all know we're, we're nowhere near Shavuot now, but it's uh, it's connected to. Uh, it's connected to the to, to Shavuot. And, but in general, we're, we're always receiving the Torah. So when, when Bnei Yisrael received the Torah, the Midrash and Shir Shim Rabbah says that Bnei Yisrael, they went to Shluf, right? They took a nap before uh, before they received the Torah. And it's there in the, in the Midrash. It is points out that Hashem wasn't happy about that. Uh, and the, and the Barbara Shrebi asks, he says, I don't understand. How could it possibly be that the most earth-shattering moment of history, potentially, B'nai Yisrael are about to receive the Torah, how is it even possible 
that Bnei Yisrael went to sleep. It, it, it's it, it, it's going to impact indefinitely on all on all the generations to come. The excitement must have been so palpable. How could they have gone to sleep? It's not possible. So he explains that according to Torah Chasidut and uh, in, in Tanya Perklamet Zayin, it says that when a person goes to sleep, they can actually reach a, a high level of spirituality. And therefore, when B'nai Israel went to sleep, it wasn't because they were they were bored, they were uninterested in receiving the Torah, but they were just falling asleep. They actually, they went to sleep lishma. <laughs> they went to sleep because they wanted to receive the Torah on, uh, on, a, on a higher level, to have some type of spiritual level that they were going to be on, they were going to receive the Torah and to, as, a, as a hachana, as a preparation for when they actually receive the Torah. So that's a beautiful idea. So, okay, we're good to go. But if that's the case, we're still left with why is it that the Midrash was, says that uh, that that Hashem was upset. I'm here and no one's answering. No one's calling. Everyone's sleeping. Hashem wasn't happy that they went to sleep. So explains the Rebbe, and also to understand why is that we have to do a tikkun at Leil Shavuot and stay up all night to make up for the fact they went to sleep. They went to sleep to reach high spiritual levels. What are we? What are we making up for? So explains the Rebbe. Because the idea of the Torah is the Torah was not given to Malachim. It wasn't given to angels that were going to be on this high spiritual level like Bnei So when they were sleeping. It was given to people who were tired. It was given to people who were up and living in this world, that were experiencing things in this world. If you look at the Torah, it talks about, even if you look at the Aserda Dibro, it talks about the Kabbalah Tavirah It talks about not to kill, not to be jealous, meaning we're talking about things that are human beings. These are things that relate to us as human beings in this world when we're alive, when we're tired with all of our faults. Hashem didn't want us to go to sleep and to be on this high level like angels. He wanted us to be human beings. The Torah is meant for us here in this world. And that is such a, and that is so critical because when we look at the Torah, we look at the Torah, we see, is it, is it something, is this, are we supposed to be like some monks that are sitting on some mountaintop that have no connection with the world? Or are we supposed to be down here in the dirt of the world? And we're meant to, to, to elevate this world, to, to, to bring it up. The Torah is meant to influence our lives as they are here. And sometimes when we think about religion, we think about God, we kind of separate it and we have we can, we, we, we can view it as, well, there's a spiritual side of me and there's there's my, 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 my uh, I, I, when I'm davening, when I'm learning, when I'm doing tzedakah or, or chesed, okay, that's my spiritual side. And then there's the mundane part of me, there's the part of my life and that's not related to the Torah, but it's exactly the opposite. And when you think about it, you look at Shulchan Aruch, the biggest part of Shulchan Aruch is Choshen Mishvat, which is the most dealing with all, all the things that deal with this world uh, about our about 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 finances and about uh, you know when 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 partners and in business and when you have uh, when there's a, when there's a rupture and there's damages and you know lowly things you're sitting down learning a Gemara about an, an ox that gored another ox there's nothing spiritual there but no that's exactly it that Hashem is coming and and, and giving us light in this world and I want to say even again like I said we're not close to we're nowhere near Shavuot now, but it's always good to have a preparation. That there's an opinion, and it makes sense, and I and 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 I totally understand it. That why stay up all night if in the morning you're going to be falling asleep? You're not going to be able to have any concentration when you're learning. Anyways, when you're davening, it's going to be terrible. 
learn for a little bit, go to sleep, properly, and then you'll wake up and have a proper davening. You learn the rest of the day and be awake, and it makes much more sense. But for me, this idea, and every Shavuot, I come back to it, because, no, be tired, be exhausted, fall asleep in the middle of davening and Shavuot once a year, in, embed this idea in us that, yeah, we're human beings and we're tired and we're fall, but Hashem, we can't live without this. We can't live without the Torah. So even when I'm falling asleep, and even that, with all my human weaknesses, that's when the Torah is the most relevant to me. And again, that, 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 that gives me chizuk. It gives me strength throughout the year. Really powerful. Really, really powerful. Um, it's interesting because we're told, this, this Parsha, Parsha Ra'ira, we're just told that um, about Stakar and Mishpat, the ways of Hashem, and ultimately Stakar and Mishpat is society, and that's you know how we live every day. Um, and they're two big concepts which drive, I think, this whole idea of Hashem's presence in our lives. Yeah. We work on it. We try. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to talk about it. It's harder to live it, to live it, to really feel it in our mundane lives, that Kajabarku is present and that they're infused with meaning. So I think, I guess that's why I like to talk about it a lot. <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I can bring it into my, uh, consciousness that this is something that we have to constantly work on and see because it doesn't it doesn't come naturally of course good stuff so are you ready for your third piece for sure so this is uh taking a little bit of a of a different direction and um for this piece i i chose it just because uh, it's had a profound uh um effect on me uh it's less uh maybe maybe less all-encompassing than than the other two pieces but especially for someone who's uh, stuck on a desert island, I think uh, this piece is, is critical. And um, I would say one of the thinkers that uh, has most uh, influenced my life, Jewish thinkers, is the Piazetz the Rebbe of Klonimus uh, Kalman Shapira, Zichit Tzadavikash Vracha, and Hashem uh, Yom Damo. And his work, the the Eish Kodesh, which was not the name that he gave it to, it, he actually uh, gave, uh, it, was, it was the Drashot Mishnot Azam, right, that these were the... Uh, Drashot that he gave in during the war in, in the Warsaw ghetto. Now imagine being in that position, being being a Rebbe and trying and seeing your Hasidim and Jews around you in the in the most horrible conditions <laughs> that the Jewish people have ever known, and to try and to come up with uh, with something to give them strength, to give them hope in such a dark place. The fact that someone's even writing this down to leave it for posterity was it was he it was part of the with Emmanuel Ringelblum in the Oenig uh, Shabbos archive and that was saved and that we were that we're able to learn it out. I, I feel like every Jewish home has to have a copy of it. Just just what it represents is that itself is enough to give hope. But there's one particular idea that he writes, and so he's he's give this to our Torah and Parshat Todot. Now, the truth is, if you just read the H Kodesh, you wouldn't necessarily know the background, but. Uh, but uh, Dr. Henry Abramson did a great service. He came out with a book, Torah from the Years of Wrath, where he tries to collect the, the historical background that these drashot were given. In general, the Rebbe didn't write what was going on particularly. He just kind of gave the Torah idea and didn't really reference the events themselves. So everybody in the room would have known what was going around and what the Rebbe was referencing. But for us who are coming afterwards, we don't necessarily appreciate what happened then. So Dr. Abramson, he points out that the background to this drasha that he gave is that they were going around 
And one of the, they were ridiculing uh, one of the ways that the Nazis were ridiculing the Jews is that they were they were they were shaving off their beards and payas, and that was something that was um, you know besides besides all the horror, all the killings and starvation all the, those big things that the hit to the identity was was very very difficult right the busha the the absolute embarrassment that a person wasn't able to recognize themselves, and then the Rebbe says this. It's the brachot is based on on in Breshit Perakavzayin Pasuk Kavchet, the the beginning of the brachot that Yitzchak is giving to Yaakov. It starts off the Yiten Lecha Hashem, and it starts with an and a vav, which doesn't really make any sense because it's the beginning of the brachot. It should have just started a Yiten. So Rashi there says the Yiten Lecha Lechim Peres Rashi Yiten VeYachzor VeYiten that Hashem will give and he will continue to give. And the question that begs to be asked is, what do you mean? If someone gives you something, so he's giving it to you, and why does he have to again give it to you? He's giving it to you. That should be good enough. So what does Rashi mean here? And the Rebbe brings a pasuk, uh, uh, and he says, Who are, so there's two types of people. There are nidachim, and there are ha'avdim. So what's the difference between a nidach and an oved? A nidach is someone who is cast away, but they are still recognizable. So if you have somebody, I'll give you a, a, a silly analogy. If you are a, a you know, if you are a, a, a sports fan of a certain team and you're wearing their shirt, so it could be you'll go to a different city and uh, you might be wearing that, you know, the, the jersey of the uh, of another team. So you're not in you're not in your home, but everyone knows where you're from. <laughs> everyone can see where you're from. You know, you still have that, you still have that identity. You might look different than everybody around, and you do look different than everybody around you, but everybody could tell where you are from. So you might, you're nidak, you're cast away, you're far from home. But everyone, but but you know when people see where you're from. But there is something that's even worse, and that is in Avud, somebody who is lost. Somebody who's lost can't even recognize themselves. They are so far away. They're so cast away. They don't even know where they are and who they are. And then the Rebbe goes on to say that everything that the Jews there have been experiencing, they look around. They don't even they don't recognize themselves anymore. We appreciate it without their beards, without their pants, but they don't even recognize themselves as human beings. They've been treated as so, so disgustingly. They don't. They don't. They may even feel like they're animals, that they're not even people anymore, let alone they can't even remember any religious experiences, what it was like to daven, you know, a couple of months ago what a Kabbalah Shabbat looked like. They're so far away, they don't even know who they are. But then he says that the Gemara in Kedushin says that Baal Aveda, Bachzira Achar Aveda Tov, says that when, when, when there's simanim, when there are signs on someone's lost object, when I write my name on an object, with my phone number on it, I'm not going to be as nervous because if I lose it, someone's going to find it and contact me. But what happens when I don't write my name on it? When there's no simanim and it's I, it's, it's indistinguishable, then I'm going to go myself. The Baal Aveda, the owner of the lost object, is themselves going to go and find that lost object them themselves. The Rebbe says, who's our lost? Who is our owner? We are the lost objects of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. No matter how far we are, the fact that we're not recognizable even to ourselves, that means Hashem Himself is going to come and find us. He's going to come and redeem us. He's going to bring us to salvation. And that is 
He's going to give to us when we're lost, but he's going to come and keep, keep, keep on giving to us even when we're in this, even when we can't even recognize ourselves, when we're so lost, when we're so far that I don't even know what I look like. I don't even know who I am anymore. Akash Baruch is going to come and he is going to take us out there. He's going to bring that redemption. So on one hand, this is this is a, a piece that's that's in a specific time period. But I think that in our lives, many people, you know, as I talk to people, they feel avud. They feel lost for whatever, a whole variety of reasons. And they feel they don't recognize themselves. No matter what sarot a Jew is going through, the idea that even when we lose our identities and we lose ourselves and we feel like, I, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. I might feel distant from God. I might feel distant from my identity. But no matter how far we go, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our Baal Aveda. He's going to come after us. He is going to bring us the Geula. He is going to redeem us, whether it is as individuals or whether it's as a nation at home. And we just have to keep that we keep that that at hope. And I think coming years after reading this happened, and, and, and for the Rebbe, it didn't turn out well. The Rebbe was murdered on Kiddush Hashem. And many of those people that are in that room that heard this Vartorah Torah were killed on Kiddush Hashem. But if we look now and look what has happened to the Jewish people, that Akash Baruch Hu, after not being recognizable, Akash Baruch Hu has gathered us together, has brought us back, has given us Midinat Israel, right? has given us back Jewish pride. Right, that we see that no matter how dark the times can come, that we're never fully lost. Akash Baruch Hu is there for us, and he is going. He is our Balavid, and he is going to find us. So this is a piece that that's really given us. And if you're has given me chizuk, and I think that for someone who's stuck on a on a desert island, to know that they might feel lost, but Akash Baruch Hu hasn't forgotten about it. Yeah, I was going to say perfect piece for a desert island. Um, really, really powerful, important, and really motivating. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing really, really inspiring pieces of Torah with us. Thank you for everything that you do. And it's uh, for, for the Jewish people, really uh, such a beautiful initiative. And uh, I enjoy myself listening to uh, to your podcast. You should continue, uh, continue to go. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.